0: Welcome to Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith, MD of Silver Swan Recruitment. As we all know, the private sector is a pretty crazy one. Not only can it be very challenging to work in, but it can be pretty lonely too, as let's face it, no one really understands what it is that we do. So let's come together, help, support, educate and inspire one another, and hopefully we'll have a laugh along the way. Hello everybody, welcome back once again to this week's episode of Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith, as I'm sure you know. How are we? Hope you've all had a good week. It's Friday afternoon here, sun shining, not long to go to the end of the day, till the weekend, so um, things are all good my end, all good. Today, we are going back over to um, Florida today and we have got Chris Mulu, who I think everybody must know by now, especially everybody in Florida, especially everybody in Palm Beach. Uh, We have known Chris since our very, very first started our office in Miami early last year. It was actually, I believe, our first brand ambassador that we onboarded over in the States. And a fabulous one, he's been at that. He's introduced us to some fabulous people. We've worked together on numerous uh, roles uh, today. And I've been trying to get Chris on for bloody ages. This man, honestly, he's a hard man to pin down. He's a busy, busy, busy person. So very grateful for his time today. Loads to talk about. Whilst I'm talking about Florida, actually, we are at the minute talking about coming back out. We haven't been out to do events since end of last year. So it has been 36 months now, God. We now have four communities in the US though. So popping out, it's not quite a pop out anymore. It's a, we want to come to New York, we want to go to uh, Florida, we want to do Miami and Palm Beach as we always do. And then we'll definitely want to go over to uh, LA and San Fran. So this is not a quick trip. So it's a case of timing and when can we put it in? It'll be myself, Jess will of course want to come and then Chris White, our new community manager for those who haven't yet spoken to him. He's basically head of growth for Silver Swan and has come on board to really accelerate the growth of our communities, which he has been doing. We want to come out. So I think the plan is come out for a couple of weeks and sort of go to each sort of place and sort of say to everybody, right, we're going to be here for two, three days. Come see us. Uh, and then people then people aren't sort of tied to the one event night, you know, it'll be a case of, we, yeah, there'll be a ch- choice of morning coffee, lunch, afternoon, evening. So hopefully lot of uh, multiple, you know, choice of availability in each different location. So lots of options to come see us. So we're looking to do that end of September. We want to come out there and hopefully can meet as many of you as possible. So more information will come on that. Um, and I think that's everything I need to say now. We don't have Kelly, our fabulous sponsor anymore moving forward because she's got fabulous other things on the horizon for ourselves so with that we can get straight on with the show I think. Hello Chris welcome to the show.
1: Good morning.
0: Nice to finally have you. I've been trying to pin you bloody down for months. You're a difficult man to get hold of.
1: Yeah it's it is tough sometimes.
0: Oh, it's, it's what your life is like. You have no idea what your days are going to be like. And like, you can make all the plans in the world, but if something happens, they get dropped, obviously. Like, you know, so it's just a, uh, a reminder of how mental your life is. And you are particularly busy at the moment, aren't you? So
1: Yeah, it's so true. Every day is different. You know, you have a plan, but it's not the uh, Mr. or Mrs. plans or the principal's plans. And everything goes sideways really quick if you're not on your game.
0: Half the people here listening will know who you are. You've been around long enough. You're very well connected. You're a big fan of networking, which is brilliant. But tell everybody who doesn't know you a bit. Where where are you based?
1: Well, I'm located in South Florida, pretty much the Hutchinson Island, Jupiter Island, Palm Beach Island, and uh, Dade County, Miami Beach area. And we are MCM Estate Services. We do property management. We do home watch. We also do seasonal projects for various clients. Been doing this for a little bit over nine years, and I got a team of six amazing associates that work with us. My wife is the vice president of the company, she's an amazing asset to us. And also, my son, who is MCM Malachi Christopher Blue, he also works with us, and he's, he's our longest person working with us. He's been with us for seven years, so he's a, a great young man.
0: Well, he can hardly quit. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking now I'm thinking, right, I've got a four-year-old son and I've got a two-year-old daughter. I'm thinking that's a long time till I can get him doing work
1: for me, isn't it? God. Well, he started when he was 10, so...
0: Did he? That was ace. Just, cause it, just helping rent houses.
1: Yeah, so one of my principals would go away in the summer and he would help me, you know, pull all the cushions in. He would help me clean the decks and pressure wash and sand. We'd change light bulbs and, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was, you know, easy to do and of course he was helping me with that and then he just fell in love with the industry as well. And then when we got incorporated, he chose the name, which is his initials, MCM.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, lovely. Um, I think it's so important to instill a good work ethic into kids when they're young. Like I could be the richest woman in the world, but my kids are going to work from like young like I did. Also, I I think I saw a while ago now, the Beckhams, it was years ago actually, one of the Beckham boys was pot washing in the pub down the road where he lives. Like I love stuff like that. Like go and serve tables, wash pops, work help your dad, that kind of stuff. And you gotta look after the kid anyway. Maybe we'll be doing something rather than just trying to entertain him without you know what I mean? So, oh nice, that's ace. Okay, so take us back. So were you an estate manager before you set up your company? Or did you go straight in with this?
1: Yeah, I was actually a caretaker for a property for two years, worked on the inside and exterior of the house. Mainly I reported to the estate manager of that time. She was my mentor then. Uh, We still work together now. I just did a project for one of her properties. But I started in the outside as a caretaker, and I fell in love with the industry. And I learned about DEMA. And she actually told me about DEMA. We went to a few meetings. I started going to the conventions. And I said, wow, this is an amazing industry that didn't know existed. You know, I was always on the other side of the tracks. It, It was wonderful. So I started doing online classes and finding information where I can, networking through DEMA, connecting with other estate managers and learning from them calling them when I had issues or problems. Um, And next thing I know, the estate manager who was um, working at the property, uh, she was stepping down and I was next in line. So after two years of caretaking, I became the estate manager. And then I really started reaching out to other fellow estate managers and digging into the DEMA conferences. I became a board member of DEMA. I was chapter president for two years in Palm Beach County. It was just a really amazing time for growth, a lot of reading. A lot of books, a lot of podcasts, which weren't many back then, but there's a lot of YouTube videos and stuff out there. And that's how I developed my career as an estate manager. It was a 17,000-square-foot oceanfront property, and uh, they traveled a lot, which is why I was able to have my son come help me in the summertime when they were gone. That's how I started all of this, was working in the in the one house. And then it gradually grew into homes in the community and then homes in the neighboring community, and um, here we are today.
0: It's a nice way in. Some people, you can either get yourself really, really experienced and just be picked for the job, or you can do a different route and just build a really good relationship and a good trust with principals in more of like a position that's like less involved, like the caretaker role. Go and bloody mow lawns for people and get to know the principals. You'll get in that way. Do you know what I mean?
1: It was interesting because some of the things I was doing was, you know, there was 117 windows in the house and they had to be washed three times a week. So I was not a window washer, but I... Googled, I YouTubed. No, I did all of that stuff real fast. And you know, then I was doing a better job than some of the window companies out there. You know, if you don't know it, you need to reach out and learn and, and ask for mentorship from others in the field who are where you want to be. And that's what happened and how I gravitated to those people.
0: I was part of DEMA as well. I was on the board over here in the UK. And um, it's a shame that all wound up. But why do you think it was? Why did they sort of fold?
1: You know, honestly, our chapter was thriving in Palm Beach. I had a great president before me, president before them, and everyone who was past board member or past officer stayed involved. It wasn't like they tapped out and left. We had a very, very diverse and large group, not only of vendors, but of uh, private service professionals, as they called it, PSPs. We were heavy with the state managers. We had good training. So why the infrastructure of DEMA collapsed, I don't know, but our chapter was thriving, and if we could have detached somehow and kept going, I think we still would have been meeting.
0: It was a weird one over in the UK, though, because we everybody paid to be part of it. But none of the money ever came to the UK. So we'd sort of be asked to host an event, but there'd be no money sent to it or anything. So there'd be me and a couple of the people that were sort of involved. And it's like, well, not one penny was passed to us. Yet we had to like host these events for free and get people to come. And it's a bit like, I was like, what are we paying for? This is really weird. But
1: um, Taxation without representation.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, And I met a couple of guys, this was years ago now, but great concept. And obviously, like as you know, you're a big part of our Florida community and was one of our first people in there. I'm a massive, massive, massive believer in community, especially in this industry. Their concept was brilliant. And off the back of that, there's been communities since then. You're obviously part of quite a few communities. Now, when we speak to people about our communities, a lot of them might say to us, oh, I don't know, I'm already part of a few communities. I'm already part of you know, easemakers as part of DEMA. How is this different? Do we really need another one? But I sort of trying to show them, like, this is really different. This is just a WhatsApp group. So you can literally, within seconds, have answers to your questions. I think it works so much more effectively than Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or things you have to log into, et cetera. How would you describe the difference between our communities and some of the existing communities out there to people that are sort of curious?
1: Well, again, it's it's right at your finger. You don't have to resource it or reach out to find it. You know, through several clicks. It's really just a swipe. The convenience, I think, is what has really allowed your group to grow. You know, There's a bunch of people that I met at the networking event who are in there. There's other estate managers that I've asked you guys to add because it was a valuable community to them. But it is, it's instantaneous. It's the microwave of the uh, estate management community. I don't check it all the time because of my my schedule. But when I do have a few minutes to scroll through, I can follow up, hey, did this get resolved? Did you have this question answered? Did you find the yacht broker? If I've asked a question or looked for something, a resource, and you're right, within sometimes seconds, it's like they're waiting. <laughs> they're, they're waiting to respond, and boom, they do. And it's, it's been great because we've also, you know, the people in the group have got together and met when you came down. So it's not that you just are in a forum with people that you've never met. But these are people that you physically met, you had a, a bite to eat and maybe a drink with and got to know them a little bit better.
0: Yeah, it's nice. And I always say to people, like, this isn't to replace anything. Like, all of the other stuff that's existing is brilliant. Like, the more, the better of this kind of stuff. So, these makers stuff, the stuff that Natalie Hudson's doing, Latricia's Clubhouse, we'll talk about later, like, Peter's done some good work. So, like, everybody's sort of playing their role and trying to bring people together, which is brilliant. And I'm a massive supporter of all of that. This is just something else that's slightly different. There should be another resource. So it's just great. It's great. We've got over 750 members now across all our communities. Wow.
1: Well, I noticed Floridas. Every time I turn around, they're adding someone to the Florida group.
0: I know. There's like 150 there now. It's great. So that's awesome. So you're working as a state manager. You've been doing your own sort of consulting stuff since. Give people a bit of an overview in terms of services you offer in case anyone's listening that's looking for someone like you.
1: Yes. Well, we do supplemental State management. So if you're currently on the state manager on a large property and you just need help. With summer preparation or hurricane preparation or seasonal shutdowns, you know, we have the associates that can come out and do that. We have one property that calls us every season. Hey, they're flying out of town, you know, bring in the 50 chairs, bring in the 100 cushions, bring down the umbrellas, put all the pool stuff away. And, you know, we don't mind helping that. We can do airport runs for clients. We've had people who got in a jam and say, Christopher, I need you to go pick up Mr. and Mrs. at the FBO. The car's over here. This is where the code is and the key. And we go to pick up the airport. But we do everything, whether it's stocking the refrigerator when clients come back in town to uh, booking a yacht or a jet for private service, flights to, you know, wherever they may want to go. We also do uh, maintenance programs. We can come into a property and set up a full maintenance package, also a staffing package where we don't do the staffing, but we have resources that do. You know, if we come on board and recognize, you know, this is a 35,000 square foot house. There's only two maids all right, you either agree that some areas aren't going to be amazing all the time, or, you know, we need to recognize this is what you're going to need for this size house based on, you know, your level of expectation. And we're very good with dealing with the clients. Some people don't want to deal with the principals or even talk to principals, but, you know, I'm okay to sit down with them, pick them up, drive them around, bring them their paper, their tea, whatever the case is, and find out exactly what their needs are as best they'll allow us to and deliver. And we deliver very well. We also oversee all the maintenance projects. If a client wants to leave town and they're remodeling the bathroom or the kitchen, we can oversee, we can read plans and understand how all of that works, organizing the contractors, making sure they stay in budget. Gosh, the list continues.
0: Yeah, it's great. It must be such a useful resource for, like you said, people that houses that are fully staffed but need support, but then also houses that um, get closed down or places that are like secondary or even, you know, their third or fourth residence. They don't need someone full-time. They just need someone to keep an eye on it. There must be busy to have six of you.
1: It is. You know, they're not... All doing 60 hours a week, but we have our peaks and we have our lows in the industry. You know, people are in, people are out. But without the knowledge, and it's just so much of an ebb and flow, we don't know when Mr. and Mrs. is coming in. Oh, we're coming in tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Okay. All hands on deck. We got to get the house ready. We got to get this set up. We got to, you know, get everything pristine, get the cars to the airport, air the tires and the bikes, you know, whatever the case is, turn the ice machines back on. The idea that we have a good bench, always ready to play. That's what's important.
0: Yeah. Nice. And also some of your staff, especially your son's been with you for years, so you can just completely trust them.
1: Yep, so far. But we all do background checks. Everyone goes through a thorough background check. Everyone is made sure that they have no uh, issues or records. We also do auto background checks so they haven't, you know, crashed and you know ran into things and they have a good driving record. Cause if they're driving a client's vehicle, you know, we have to make sure they don't have a propensity to speed.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. It's so much easier to get background checks in the US than over here. Like over here, the only sort of checks you can get done, are like, is basically police clearance, like your DBS, which is your have you been, have you got a criminal record. But over there, I, I use a simple website for our US placements, and like within literally two or three days, they can do full education verification, obviously criminal, driving work experience checks, like the checks, it's really, really thorough. So people in the US that hire and don't offer background checks as part of their service are mental because it's such an easy thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's very easy. It's very important because all the guys sign a confidentiality agreement and an NDA with MCM, but then also some of our clients require it. So when we walk in and say, everyone's had a background check, everyone's already signed a confidentiality and an NDA, they love that. They're like, wow, okay, you're on your game. You're aware of this industry And you guys know that this is a requirement and you're already doing what's going to be required anyway. So
0: how far do you travel for clients? Is it all just very sort of local stuff?
1: Um, Most of it's within our four or five counties, but we've been asked to do things outside of the state. I physically have not gone out of the state. You know, I think Miami is the furthest from me. It's two hours south of where I'm physically located, but you know, we'll, we'll do what were asked of. We've had opportunities. They just didn't work out in other places. I would love to come to London.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. That'd be ace. I'd love you to come to London. It must be a funny situation for you. If you, for example, get called in, if you get a brand new client, they want your support. You go in, you have a little look around and you'll think to yourself, God, their estate manager is a bag of shite. Do you tell them or do you just sort of like do your job?
1: Nine times out of the 10, my personal opinions... (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes my professional opinions are kept to myself until I have either secured the client or I have a full understanding of what they're looking for me to report to them. If my job is to evaluate staff, then I'll give them a full confidential report of my observational opinion and then give them that information. But there's a lot of times where I've seen that. You know, I have clients that are other estate managers that I've worked for and um, you know, and it it's just I know my place. I don't go in there to try to take over. I don't go in there to, you know, get anyone terminated or in trouble. My focus is to satisfy the client to the best of our ability. And hopefully we can do that in tier with whoever's in place. If they're really bad and, you know, I'll mention to them, hey, you know, I can help educate you. (laughs) You know, I can train you in some areas where you might be weak I can mentor you in these areas and help you move along. And that's one of the part of where the consulting comes in on MCM Estate Services and Consulting because we love that aspect of helping people become better than who they were yesterday.
0: Yeah, nice. You may as well put all your experience to good use, you know, and invest in the sort of next generation. Yeah, cool. What is it you love about working in this industry?
1: I think the most interesting dynamic is that the people that you meet and the people that you interact with, that you never would specifically the principles with having so many clients and of all walks of life it's it's such a blessing to be able to have interacted with some of the people that we currently work for and have worked for that i think is the most interesting thing because you get a phone call and you realize you're talking to someone that you would never have ever talked to in your life and you're wondering how did you get my number wow i'm really speaking with you right now sir or ma'am Once you get to know the client a little bit more intimately, and then they open up to you, you realize, you know, it's the same skin, the same earth they're living on, and they're breathing the same air and drinking the same water. It's just they're a different, you know, different hierarchy in our fiscal structure. But I think to me, that's the most interesting aspect of it because we've worked for VIP clients. We've worked for, you know, well, we still work for clients who are like, you mentioned a name and everybody knows who they are. It's, it's, and that's, that's very unique to say that you, you know, when we talk amongst us as the, as the guys, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to this house today. This is amazing.
0: Aren't people fascinating? Like just generally. Like the human race, like we're such a weird breed. And I find it so fun. And it's like, and I love it when people surprise me. I love it when like someone is just not how I'd expect them to be, whether it's for the good or for the bad or whatever. I love yeah. it when like, and I love the whole don't judge a book by its cover. You definitely shouldn't because so often there's like so much more going on and like, I just love being really pleasantly surprised to be like, oh my God, like you're not a dick. This is like really good to know, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have some who are and you're like,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And some people, yeah, exactly. Um, but if I think of like other recruiters, not other recruiters, but like um, other people in work that don't deal with humans, they deal with, I don't know, they're working in the fact fr- they deal with things. Half of me is like, that must be such a lovely job because you haven't got to deal with people. But the other half is like, i would miss such a huge part enjoyment for me, which is the whole fascination of people. And speaking with all sorts of different people. And obviously on our side, we're dealing with the clients and the candidates. So it's like the candidates are just like, weird the clients are so weird <laughs> and then we're trying to like partner these bloody people up yeah. and it's like oh my god yeah it's such a yeah it's just fun um all right then so obviously you've been working with Dr handlers for a while in this industry for a long time what are some of your challenges on a daily basis or just generally working with clients of this nature
1: I think the biggest challenge is pinning them down on a decision and then trusting your value and expertise and what you're delivering to them. It's very important for an estate manager or a property manager or caretaker to be able to have the release to make the decision that's best for the property, which is their asset. You know, a lot of our people are in the financial realm and they, they deal with multi-billion dollar and million dollar transactions. But yet when it comes to their $50 million house, they're afraid to approve, you know, getting the roof pressure washed because it's full of mold. It's the weirdest things, you know, they'll buy and sell countries, <laughs> but, you know, they don't want to get the battery changed in the JAG. It's just like, oh my gosh. But I think the the most frustrating part is when it's either a trust level or it's just a, a lack of understanding that we have the best interests. Uh, financially, but also from a maintenance perspective and for the care and the functionality of the home for them. You know, when they come back, you know, I want everything to be 100% ready to go. And to do that, I need approval to work over summer. So we try to set things up pre-summer to get approval, deposits, get the vendors lined up. But if they don't answer, that's that's the most frustrating aspect from my perspective.
0: It's like, you've come to me, you want this stuff done But then you're hindering any kind of progress. We have a similar thing here. Someone will call us saying, oh my God, it's absolutely urgent. We are so desperate for a chef. I can't even explain. We need to hire, hire, hire. We'll work our ass off all weekend. We'll have them six options by Monday and I'll never hear from them again. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I've worked all weekend on this. Or they will come back to me. It'll be really slow. And be like, oh, I don't know. We're out of town with this. It's like on Friday, this was like, you know, live or die like situation. And now it's been two weeks and you still haven't interviewed anybody. Like, it's just the most frustrating thing. And it's like, do you want the chef or not? No, we do, we do. And I'm like, well, it doesn't bloody look like it. But yeah, they are funny with money. Like we've had a client recently who um, had a couple and another member of staff and they all just wanted a little bit more money and he wouldn't do it. And so they've all quit. And I was going to cost them tens of thousands in recruitment fees to get staff. They're still going to want a little bit more money. It's like, why are you being so dumb? Like this is a really expensive thing for you not to budge on. You may as well just budge and pay an extra grand a month between them all. It's not even a lot between them all and have happy staff. But instead, I'm obviously happy about it because the staff have left and we get three permanent roles. Like, it's great for us. But it's like, you're, this is going to cost you like loads of money. Like, you're being such an idiot. And like you say, they'll buy country but won't change, change light bulbs. And it's just like the most ridiculous thing. Once you're kind of like insecure, got things approved, and you can get your job done. How do you find communic- the communication piece then? Do you find that generally once the work's progressing and they're pretty good at communicating or is that always an issue for you?
1: Each client, I would say, is is different. Each principal has their own perspective of how they want to be involved with the transactions. We have one client. She wants to see every single estimate, every invoice, every project in the beginning, the middle, and the end, whether it's by reporting or physically on-site. She likes to meet the vendors. She wants to see them and see how they are. Others just give you a blank check and say, get it done. Every one is so individualized. Some we have to go through you know, three levels of accounting firms and approval firms and management firms before even reaches the principal because they're so high up there. And then that's, that gets frustrating because by the time it comes back, everyone's forgotten what we were supposed to do. But usually once we get approval, we just try to get it done uh, as quickly as we can with the communication of the subcontractor. And then we send photographic evidence and approval that has been completed prior to invoicing and approving the invoices
0: you having good suppliers is vital for your business then
1: it is it's crucial yeah
0: because like it's out of your hands really you're appointing a supplier and they've got a time frame and a budget and that's really all you can control
1: you know we just had an emergency water heater situation not too long ago and the plumber had to go back four times because of a leak and unfortunately that was out of our control we were not plumbers we didn't install it. We oversaw the install. And when he left, it was working. But then later that night, she called and said the unit was leaking. So we rushed back out for the following day. He came back out immediately. Now, he did respond, but it's like, you know, oh, my gosh, let's get this freaking thing done. Move on to the next project. So some things are completely controllable and other things are just widely out of your, your hands. But I still
0: guess you're in the firing line, regardless, aren't you?
1: Exactly. We brought the plumber in.
0: <laughs> it's a good job you're a nice guy and people like you because yeah, rage can come your way if people are frustrated, especially if things aren't on time. And you're like, it's not I'm not fitting, I'm not I'm not fitting your kitchen. But anyway, I suppose when that's where some of you know your good people skills come to light. What's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite service to offer?
1: Wow. I mean, we do so much. I don't know if there's a favorite more so I really like landscape renovations. Those are great. Uh, You're outside, you get dirty, you get sweaty. It's, you know, you're working with earth. You're not inside the house all day and freezing because they like to keep it at 70. But I also like figuring things out. I like when a client has a problem and they come to us and say, hey, we, we we can't figure this out or get this sorted for us. And then I want you to do, you know, Present this to me. We had just recently we had a client who in April of 2022 did a landscape budget that went seventy-eight thousand dollars over. I was not involved. I only picked up the client a month ago, but she wanted us to investigate all the invoices and all the change orders and figure out where the money went. That was not easy, but it was great because you know it was like you really had to focus and look at every paid invoice look at every estimate, you know, you have 15 different payments to one invoice and, you know, which more was that money allocated for and how come this invoice was prior to that, but didn't get paid. So that was a very interesting task, which I can't say I enjoyed it, even though you see me smiling about it, but it was like, it was a great challenge. And I think the challenges are one of the most enjoyable tasks that were given.
0: Yeah. And I think also, especially being so experienced, you still want to be growing and developing and becoming better. And you're not going to if you're not challenged. So you know it's good for you, you know. So seventy eight grand over budget. So was that just generally because people were underestimating and things are more expensive than they thought?
1: It was lack of communication, which is one of the keys to our industry. Communication between the GC and the landscape designer and the client. So the client is never at fault. So it has to fall on the GC and the landscaper. <laughs> yeah,
0: goodness me. We have got a quick fire round questions to finish up with. And we'll do a supply shout out as well. You've been around age. You've probably got a million supplies you could shout out. So we'll, do, we'll try and pick someone that you, you love. Right then, are you ready? Yes. Okay, how many years have you worked in the private sector?
1: Officially 10. Unofficially between 14 and 15.
0: Um, what's the most frustrating thing someone in your team can do?
1: Not answer the phone.
0: Oh. <gasps> Yes, we have that. People will apply, they'll apply and we'll be like, yes, we've registered you. We've got you an interview. Awesome. And then they'll never answer the phone again. And it's like, I thought you wanted the bloody job. Why have a phone?
1: Not answering the phone or at the end of the day, at the end of the project, the associates are supposed to send me their reports. And if I don't get the report in the time that I think I should, that's the most second frustrating thing. <laughs> reports on time.
0: I hope they're listening. What are you not very good at?
1: I'm not good at failing. I don't say that to be boastful or proud. It's not that I don't fail, but I'm not good when I fail. I usually get stuck, don't know how to get myself back up sometimes. I'm not really good at failure. So I think that's probably my biggest weakness.
0: I think that's a very honest thing to say, because I reckon that's probably similar for a lot of people. We don't like not to be able to do stuff. Is it helpful in those situations or unhelpful to have your wife working with you?
1: Oh, it's a, it's amazingly helpful. It's interesting because she has the backside of it. She's got all the numbers. She knows where all the money is going. Who's making what? Who's paying us little? Who's paying us a lot? And then her insight is invaluable. So it's it's been great because I, I mean, up until a year and a half ago, I was doing it all myself. So having her on board has been amazingly tremendous.
0: Very brave asking that question because you could have been like, "Ah, don't ask it. I hate it. (laughs) It's the worst thing we ever did.
1: It's amazing to have alongside of me in business as well as personal.
0: I'm pretty sure I've said hi. I reckon we've been drinking together before and we FaceTimed it. I reckon I've said I reckon I've done a a FaceTime hi to your wife before. Hello. Hello. Um, What was the last thing you Googled for work?
1: Yeah, I like that question because I always Google my clients. So whenever... I have a new opportunity to meet a client and we're pursuing working together. I Google them because it's easy for them to say, hey, give me your social security and your, your ID and driver's license and let me run a background check. But I can't do that on them. So I like to Google them to find out what I can about them, You know who they're connected with, not for any other reason, just to make sure that we're kind of aligned in the same, I won't say thought pattern, but just just aligned and that they're not some wacky individual.
0: I do think it's really mad. Like, I know this will never happen, but like, like you just said, they're allowed to do a full background check on their staff, but it can't be the way around. And some of these people like, treat people terribly, don't pay people, yet why are they fully protected? It's annoying. I've, I've said this before with referencing and, or letters of recommendation. It's like, I think if an employer is expecting you as a potential new member of staff to give them three letters of recommendation, they should provide three letters of recommendation from previous staff
1: Totally agree. Yes, it would be nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: And maybe what we should do is the bad employees will never do it, but the good employers would. So maybe we should try and push to be like all the good employers, get your ex-staff to write a letter for you or contact details. And then if we and then, and then it will highlight the bad employees even more because they're not providing that. That's a good idea. I might even know it like, here. I might get some of my, because I'm still friends with all of my ex-staff, like literally all of my ex-staff are still friends. They come for drinks. We, they come see, we go see each other's babies and all the rest So um, I should get them all to write of Foundation to go to, yeah, oh, there we go. I'm going to do that. There you
1: go. You got, you got a new podcast.
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, right. What's the top tip to someone starting out in the private sector?
1: Uh, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The top tip would be don't give up. Stick to it. Be strong. Be courageous. Keep focused make some goals, accomplish the goals, and then set new goals. Uh, But if you don't set goals for yourself, you're never going to accomplish them. And then you're going to feel like you're not really getting anything done. So it's important to have a plan and stick to it and then get accountability, get mentorship, you know, get the team around you and the people you hang out with now, you know, those are the people who you should be aspiring to become like in the future.
0: Yeah, good, good advice. Biggest high of your career so far?
1: I mean, I met a lot of cool people, but I think the biggest high is when we were um, invited by a principal, my wife, my son, and I, to get on a G5 and fly with them and stay in their cottage for about 9 to 10 days. Everything was taken care of. It was lifestyles of the rich and famous, truly. I mean, we did not go without want When you're so used to serving and someone tells you that they want to serve you and it's your principal, it's difficult to grasp. And I think that's why it was so amazing because when we got up there, they had other they had other staff at their property and it felt kind of awkward because you you want to get up and do the dishes, you want to clear the table, you wanna help set the table, you wanna, you know, make sure this is this is set and the fire is burning and all of this kind of stuff. But it was very difficult to step back and just enjoy it and embrace it. And being there with my wife and my son. And then exploring the area that we've never been to before um, was amazing. So I think that was the biggest high so far.
0: That's so cool. I don't hear many stories like that where the principal really treats you. And from the principal's point of view, it's not really costing them a huge amount because the plane's already going, the house's already there. So for not a huge cost to them, what a lovely gesture.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, we st- it, was, it was a bucket list.
0: If we have any of our principals listening, I would love that with my family. (laughs) uh, um, Right then, uh, final question, favorite podcast. Do you listen to podcasts?
1: I do. I do. I love podcasts. Of course, I love all the industry podcasts to say, hands down, it's amazing. Um, But I think my biggest one is the Art of Spousing podcast. Your friends of ours and some of our close close acquaintances put this podcast together, and it's about marriage. And I think it's important to be grounded when you're a husband, a father and a business owner that not only do you get your knowledge in the industry, but you also get your knowledge in who you are without the industry. And that's being a good husband and a good father. So the art counseling has you know, grounded us and kept us uh, focused and giving us insight and guidance as a couple, but also as a husband, you know, to be who I am at home and not always on the job.
0: I bloody love that. I am going to check that out. That's A. Thank you very much. Art of spousing. Cool. Well, there we go. Let's do, just before we wrap up, supply a shout out. Who are you going to give a little shout out to?
1: Well, i have to give my shout out to Latricia, the queen of New York. Um, she's become a dear friend. We've only physically met, I think, twice or once. But we've, we've networked together. We've collabed together. We've referred each other. Uh, clients. And it's been a great relationship. She's also connected me with some of her friends down here who I've become friends with, and I've helped them learn the ropes of our community, especially when it comes to subcontractors. And uh, he was also one of your guests not too long ago, Jim Hensley. So we've become friends. And it's just great to have resources outside of your community. I've never been to New York, so whenever I go, I know I'll be in good hands when uh, we go visit New York. Latricia will give us a great... But her five-star Clubhouse Thursday nights is very difficult for me to make, but when I do, it's great. I guide a lot of people there. I guide a lot of people to this podcast. But Latricia, she's been a great friend and a great peer in our industry.
0: Love it. And I have also never been to New York, which is mental. um, But I do have to come. All of our work in the US up till now has been just from the UK from a paperwork point of view. So UK business, UK terms of business, all the rest. But we're in the middle of um, setting up a US entity. So we'll have a separate sort of thing and a bank account. And I have to go to New York to sign for the bank account. What a burden. Um, So I will 100%, 100% be hitting up Latricia and going to have some dinner with her because I have just never, ever had a bad word heard about her. Like, she's just doing great things. She's been on a a guest here. She's fabulous. Um, And everyone just adores her. She's also been trying very hard to get me in a clubhouse, but it's bloody like two in the morning, my time, when...
1: Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) Unless you want me, like, crawling in from a night out, which is probably not the best day to get me in a clubhouse. I have said to her, next time I'm in the US, I promise I'll do it when the time zones line up a little bit better. Or maybe if I go to New York, maybe I can do it sort of live with it. That'd be cool. But no, shout out to her. She's awesome. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything you do in our community. You're like our absolute go-to. Like if Chris speaks on the group, everyone bloody listens. Like everyone knows... That what Chris says is just fact and then just so you know um, I sort of said it in my intro a couple minute ago we're organising a trip uh, September we'll be out we're going to do all the states San Fran, LA, New York, Florida so I'll see you then great lovely thank you for your time cheers Chris
1: yes have a great day thank you enjoy your weekend
0: thank you once again Chris I've said this before and I'll say it again bloody love my job I get paid for this well that's not true at all don't get paid at all for the podcast <laughs> But the opportunity to um, do these podcasts are just ace, um, especially people like Chris, who I've met on the last couple of times I came to Miami. Big part of our community. Great brand ambassador for us. Yeah, he's just been a big part of Silver Swan since we've come over to the US. So really grateful for your time. He also knows everybody. When we put this out, we'll link him. If you've got any questions or you uh, need any of his services uh, with his uh, MCM, Estate Management Consulting, use him if you're in the area. But also, if you've got any questions and stuff, like he'll help you. And you know, he's, he's always available to give people advice. So do reach out and connect with him if you um, need to or would like to. And other than that, have a good week I guess we will be back next week obviously you know where i where i am if you need me philippa at dot recruitment.com or on linkedin and then if you're looking for staff if you're uh, looking for work come and visit our website Silverstone recruitment thank you bye. see you next week